So this week we'll talk about visualizing machine learning. And we have a special guest today, Meor. You probably saw uh, Meor on LinkedIn, where he shares amazing visualization about different machine learning concepts. One of the last ones I remember well about was about drift in machine learning. Right? That was a, a pretty cool one. So yeah, he shared, how often do you actually post things? I see you quite regularly there, like weekly, right? Yeah, so I used to, so I started sometime media last year. So I was doing almost one visual every day. Mm. But now because of other commitments, I'm starting to do a bit less, but I'm hoping to put more visuals soon and go back to my earlier cadence. So hopefully that will come soon. Yeah. Uh, you also wrote a book about neural networks where you use this visualization. So do check it out. So yeah, welcome to our event. Thank you for having me, Alexei. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Before we go into our main topic of visualizing machine learning, let's start with your background. Can you tell us about your career journey so far? Yeah, sure. So I was introduced to machine learning quite some time ago, almost 10 years ago now. So back then I was interested in doing research in uh, limb prosthetics. And I decided to stop whatever I was doing in my career and do a master's degree doing research in that. And that was when I was introduced to machine learning, which is the technology or the algorithm that's powering the, the whole industry. So I did this master's in bioengineering with a view of doing PhD. But I stopped after the master's and I didn't continue with the PhD because uh, one of the reasons that back then the excitement around AI and machine learning was totally not like what it is today. So the research was relatively slow. There was not much breakthrough. And one of the reasons that I didn't really see the application in the in the real world at the time. So I decided to go uh, back into working. So I joined a company in the telecommunications industry that does data platforms, uh, doing data engineering for telecommunications data and doing analytics on top of it. So I did that for around six, seven years. But what I've always wanted to do for quite some time was in education be in an adult or even childhood education. So in 2019, around two years back, I decided that I wanted to do something else. So I went into self-employment mode. So I, I became in, an independent consultant. Initially, I was doing uh, training and consultancy in the area I was related to back then, which is telecommunications, analytics. And slowly, I moved into education in a childhood space, which is tying back to what I've also, the other area that I wanted, I've always wanted to do, which is AI and machine learning, which I revived my interest in the past couple of years. So I did AI educational resources for middle schools and high schools under the name of EdSquare. So it's still there. And that was happening right until middle of last year when I encountered this way of, I mean, a fun way of creating educational materials for adults, uh, which is using visual. So I came upon this approach and I just, without any background in, in design at all, so I was just trying to apply uh, visuals into explaining the concept of machine learning. So that's when I started to create these visuals under the name of K-Dimensions. So it has been going on for almost yeah eight, nine months now. So that's, that's where I am currently. So while I was doing other things, I am still doing the other things that I started before, but slowly my focus is uh, is now in uh, under K dimensions. So why this name? Ah, so yeah. <laughs> so when you know, it's quite obvious because it borrows from the concept of machine learning, uh, dimensionality reduction. So, for example, if you talk about a machine learning problem, right? So you have a data that is very big. Uh, let's say thousands of features. So what you can do is that you can compress it into a number of features that is much less than what it is before while maintaining the same amount of information. So that's the concept behind PCA and all the different algorithms that, that falls under dimensionality reduction. So that's the, the same idea that we, I had with visual as well. And I think that's where the power of visuals come in is that with just a visual, you'll be able to compress a lot of information that you would otherwise have to write it down and a bit harder for people to comprehend and for people to digest. With a visual, you, of course, won't retain the same information as what you can explain with the text, but you can go straight to the essence and people can get it immediately. So that's the idea. So K is the common alphabet that people use 
while reducing the dimensions from n dimensions to k dimensions mm-hmm. when people are, do do pca so so that's where the name came from i suspected it makes total sense like you take a complex idea then you simplify it and you reduce sort of dimensionality of this idea right. that's cool and yeah so in 2019 you became self employed and you started been an independent consultant right and you started also working on these visuals was it scary for you to go solo it was because i've wa- always wanted to do it for a long time even after i completed my masters because i from then on i wanted to do something in the education space and throughout my career with with the company i was in before i was doing some other small ventures in education especially childhood education but of course with the Uh, cushion of having a a job you you don't really put the full commitment because somehow you have this something that you can fall back on but i thought the the time was just right for me to do it fully so i didn't really have a clear plan i do have some idea so i just went into it and yeah luckily i'm managing well so far <laughs> yeah i know that there is a guy called Jack Butcher and he has a twitter profile called visualize value uh, probably a website as well and i see some similarities in what you do and what uh, jack is doing did you get the inspiration from him with coming uh, up with all these visuals or what kind of sources of inspirations did you have when you decided okay i want to follow this format and i want to create visuals in such a way that you create right now so how did it uh, start for you yeah in, in fact it started with him because i was browsing through my feed and came upon this very simple and minimal visual but that gives a big weight in terms of the perspective or the message that he wants to bring so i've never seen such visuals and i started to dig deep into his approach and his way of doing things i enrolled in his course called how to visualize value which explains how he goes through this process of making visuals and the idea behind it the philosophy behind it i was mind blown because it's a concept that even though it looks it looks i wouldn't say i wouldn't say he's the first one who have done it but he has definitely is the one that has brought mainstream and he's the one that really can relate to a lot of people i still haven't figured out the right term for this whole category yet but the closest i can find is i think visual engineering so of course it's not the engineering in the technical sense but it's about using visuals for you to convey a message unlike a normal way that you normally do for for you to create visuals i mean i can put it this way there is a way of for you to create visuals that attach to a text or a message that you are you are trying to say but there is a way for you to create a visual that amplifies or make better what you are trying to to convey and jack's uh, visuals falls under this latter category so I, i was amazed so that's when it all started for me yeah so i thought that might as well uh, because i was already doing machine learning educational materials back then primarily with hsquare for childhood education but i thought that i could apply the same thing so simplifying machine learning concepts and applying it using visuals and of course there are many many reasons to do it and the, the, one of the reasons is that at the moment there's just more information that we need Uh, when it comes to machine learning because yeah there are so many resources there are courses there are books there are blog posts code examples it goes on so the question now is not about how you create additional material i think the question now is how do you curate this content or maybe more accurately how do you condense this content into something that is digestible for people and i mean it's really an interesting industry to be in right now because a lot of people are interested in this subject and area people are really motivated to learn and i hope to be able to to give them a way for them to learn at least to give an entry for them to be able to get into the door for them before they explore things in more detail for them to be able to grasp the concepts in a simple way to get it in terms of at the intuition level before they go further into into what they are doing but of course it's not just jack there are many other people i look up to and even in the machine learning space there are already a lot of very talented people who are already creating visuals that explain concepts in machine learning so first and foremost for me is ji uh, alamar who has this blog that explains concept around mostly neural networks so for example go to vec 
Transformers, who has this famous blog post, Illustrated Transformers, and has a lot of other kinds of materials as well. So that's a resource that I, I go to for me to understand these concepts myself. And I found it really relatable for me to visually look at the concepts and get the intuition before going into the math, before going into the code. I mean, the list goes on. For example, StatQuest, uh, Josh Starmer, that, that really simplifies the understanding of machine learning and data science using visuals by way of video. Luis Serrano as well. So he has this book, Rocking Machine Learning. I'm sure, yeah, he, he also creates wonderful videos that explains these concepts. So I think with visuals, then you pair that with, with code and math. I think it will make sense when you go deeper into any subject in this field. In education, so you were already in this education space and then you were browsing through your feed and then you saw a visual from Jack Butcher, right? And you yeah. thought, okay, this is so cool, I want to do something similar. And then this is how it started, right? And actually, when I saw images from Jack, I thought, hmm, it would, could, would be cool if somebody does something similar for machine learning. And then uh, a few months after that, I saw you on LinkedIn. And that was it. I thought, okay, like this is, uh, it's like as if Jack was doing this thing. Cool. And I remember I was listening to a podcast with him. I didn't take a course. I was listening to a podcast and he said that he on purpose restricts himself. So he restricts himself. He only uses, I don't know, one, two colors, right? He only uses simple shapes. What else is there? Do you remember? Yeah, so exactly. So, I mean, other than visuals, he also have a lot of very interesting perspectives about visuals and beyond visuals. And one of the things that you mentioned is exactly one of the things that I took away from him is that basically you have to introduce constraints in the work that you do. I think it's true for visuals and I think it's true for anything that you do in life as well, especially when you're creating something. For him, is yeah, like exactly like you said, so just two colors, black and white, geometrical shapes, abstract concepts, that's it. So there is this thing that creative uh, constraints breed creativity. So it's like, it's ironical that that is the case because people would think that for you to be able to be creative, you have to have a lot of resource with you. You have to have, for example, talent, you have to know uh, tools, you have to know a lot of ideas. So that is true, but the, looking at it from the other perspective is that when you introduce constraints, you're forced to work with only what you have. So that's when you, get focused and you're not really worried about the other things that you can do, the other things that that is also beneficial to you for you to create something. You don't you don't worry about it. You just work on what you have. And yeah, like what you see with the visual that Jack does, you can do amazing things with the constraint that you impose on yourself. I think for you, you use only three colors, right? So the background is always green. <laughs> yeah. Right? For me, it's about explaining a technical concept and you're talking about Sometimes concepts that are very deep in terms of the things that you want to explain, there are a lot more there. So I tried to use as uh, like two colors, it didn't work. So I use three colors. So the background is dark and just three main colors. Uh, so red, white, and blue. So yeah, I found that that is the right equilibrium for me to work on. Even though there are times when I think I still need to have some other shapes, but I try to keep myself to, to that and it has really uh, served me well so far. How do you come up with these ideas? Like, to where do you see them? So I think there are many ways to do it. So my uh, the approach that I found to be working well is first to introduce the constraint. And the constraint can be, there are different types. So one is the style constraint that we have just discussed about. The other thing is that for you to introduce constraint in terms of the time. So maybe you set a time. Okay, before that, you have to introduce constraint in terms of the topic. So let's say there's a topic that you want to visualize. Even though you are not sure how you're going to make it, you don't go into the next topic, let's say drift, like what you mentioned just now. So I will stick with just drift. I'll make sure that I will be able to create some kind of visual related to drift before going on to other topics. And once you have the topic, you introduce a time constraint, which is within just a, like a few minutes, for example, you just put it down on paper, whatever you have in your mind. And that's, I think, when the magic happens, because the moment you have something written or sketched, that's when you can improve upon it, because you cannot improve on things that is it's blank, but you can definitely improve on, on things that are already there, no matter how ugly it looks and no matter how different it looks from what you would imagine it in the end. So constraints is one thing. The other thing that I found it to be working for me is to try to visualize things, not what it is, but what it means. 
So let me try to rephrase that. So when you try to visualize a concept, uh, what I learned from Jack is that, from his visual is that, you don't try to visualize the noun, which is what it is, but visualize or try to extract what is the verb or the adjective. So that's when you are able to extract the message that you want to deliver. Again, using this brief example, so I was using this visual of a catapult throwing, throwing this ball into, into basket, right? So the idea that I had at the time is that it's about accuracy. So it's not about model, because if you are thinking about models, if you're talking about algorithms, then you're stuck with maybe boxes and squares and rectangles and arrows. That's one way of doing things. But I think that is looking from the logical point of view, which is what it is, the noun of what you're trying to represent. But if you try to understand what it's trying to do, which is trying to, to be accurate, then that's when you start to think about what kind of metaphors, what kind of objects that you can also use to represent. And that brings another uh, benefit, which is using metaphors, using objects that people can relate with, makes it very, very less intim intimidating for people to understand a concept. Because the moment, for example, you start to use rectangles and arrows, people can get the idea, but not quite. They feel like they are not yet attached to the idea. But the moment you start to show everyday objects, everyday things, ah, at least they get the object. And then that becomes the bridge for them to understand the real concept that you want to represent. So metaphors and abstract concepts, yeah, probably are the two things that you may want to look into if you are trying to visualize things. Okay, so first you think, okay, I want to create something on, let's say, drift. And then you give yourself a bit of time, I don't know, to use a timer, maybe yeah. set it to five, 10 minutes, something like this, right? And then you start brainstorming. How can I show the action? Yeah. What is the action there? What is the verb? in this drift, because drift is a noun, as you said, right? But what is an action? And the action is, I think, the catapult you used, it's missing, right? Yeah. It cannot uh, hit the, what was there, like a basketball thing? Yeah, so for the original model, it's, it's just a basket. With data drift, I mean, you're looking at the catapult not really functioning well, or the ball have changed its shape, for example, which caused the catapult not really hitting the target. So that's about the data itself, the source. Uh, whereas concept drift is about the target itself that you are changing. So from a basket, you're changing it to a basketball game, for example, which is a higher target. So you need to adapt your source to match the target that you have just changed. So I can give another example that I found, I think, really interesting as well to me is that because I was trying to understand and internalize the concept of data-centric AI, which is also being popularized these days. So when people talk about data-centric AI, it does not mean that we are being relaxed on the model development itself. What we are saying here is that we have focused so much on the model development, fine-tuning, and all that, but not so much focusing on the data. So the moment we talk about data-centric AI, by the term, maybe people can think will think that it is primarily about the data, but not so much on the model. The model is there as it is. But the fact is that you need to have both. You need to have balance. So that's when I thought about the, the adjective that represents the idea is about balance. So that's when I figured out this idea to draw the concept of aeroplane, whereby one side of the wing is of a modern aircraft and the other side is less developed, which is like uh, the wings from the 50s, for example. So the idea is that for the aircraft to function well, you need to develop both sides to have balance. So that I just put like, yeah, algorithms on one side and data on the other side. So it's not like one over the other, but both. Uh, at the same time and people seem to be able to relate to that yeah yeah can you walk us through the process so let's say about the i don't know catapult or the airplane from the moment you got an idea i don't know if, uh, how it appeared like first did you want to create something on data centric ai or first you had an image of your plane in your head and then uh, you did this like maybe you can walk us through the entire process from the very beginning before you even started working on this to the end where you publish this on LinkedIn. How does it look like? Yeah, so to be honest, I don't have any like a very rigid idea. But what I normally do is that, I mean, whatever I'm learning, whatever I'm reading on that day, whatever that's interesting, I will list down the concepts. And especially because I mentioned about me starting machine learning quite some time ago, but the fact is that I have left the field for quite some time and in, in, only in the past couple of years, I started to revive my interest. 
So all this is also, first and foremost, is for me, is part of my relearning journey. So whenever I'm reading a new concept, whenever I'm trying to understand a new, yeah, a new material, first and foremost is for me to be able to understand the concept and for me to be able to get to the core of the message. I'll just list down the concepts. I mean, adding any visuals. I'll just list down things that I found interesting, that I read, um, new concepts that I've learned, and put them in 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 a long list because not always the idea will come immediately. So so the moment you you start to have the list, you can probably. I mean, I would, for example, review it on a weekly basis. Uh, if I found something, I mean, a theme that is always occurring from what I'm le- learning and reading during that week that I thought would be interesting for me to to nail my understanding, I would put it like in a shortlist for me to visualize. So once I, I've got the shortlist, then only I try to figure out the way for me to visualize these concepts. And like what I mentioned just now, I just try to elaborate a bit more now, is that for now, what's been working for me is that for me to be able to create visuals that uh, is understandable, it can fall under these two main categories. One is metaphors, the other one is abstract concepts. Abstract means uh, like what Jack Butcher is doing, like just basic shapes, basic arrows and lines. You try to create something out of it. So that's when I start to think about back to what I was saying just now, like for each concept that I want to visualize, what is the, the key message? So I think that's also part of the learning aspect that when you're trying to learn something, what you want to try to get to is that what is the essence of the concept that you're trying to learn? For example, yeah, back to drift. The essence is what you're trying to learn is that things are changing, whether from the source or from the target, and you're trying to adapt to that. So that's the concept that you try to get to the bottom to. And from there, yeah, you decide on how you want to do it. You decide on what kind of, I mean, you try to figure out what's the verb, what's the key message, what it means, and then you try to translate that into a visual. So there are, I would say, different kinds of categories of the kinds of visuals that I find interesting for me to make. One is concept, concept machine learning, like data-centric AI and uh, drifts and all this. But the other thing is that is also very interesting to visualize is the emotional aspect. When I say emotional, I'm talking about the realities in the field. For example, what people say uh, machine learning is and what it really is in the field, because people can relate to that. For example, when we talk about creating a data science project and a data science solutions, right? So normally what you want to do is you start with a problem, then you work your way towards the solution. But a lot of people, me first and foremost, are always guilty to, to start with a solution first and then work backwards to try to find a problem that can be solved by solution because you're so invested and you're so interested in the algorithm or the solution that you are building. So yeah, what if you can visualize that? What if you can just show that actually the arrow should be from the left to right, but what you're doing is from the left to right. So you try to touch these emotional points from the, the viewer that they, they can totally relate and they can totally understand where, where you're coming from. So that's also something that is interesting for me to explore as I do these visuals. I remember this visual as well. So I think it's on one side you have uh, the, the way it should be and then on the other side the way we do it, right? Then I think it got quite some engagement, right? People could relate to this thing. And yeah, so if I summarize, so what you do is like every day you read things, you consume content, and then you keep a long list of things where like, okay, I read today, let's say about drift, right? And then you take a note. And then some things you see that they are more important. You read more about them. They are interesting for you. Then you start spending more time learning about them. And then you move them from the long list with ideas to the short list of ideas. And then from that short list, you take some ideas there and you start trying to elaborate this idea, try to think about how can you see action there, how you extract the verb from there, right? And then you also mentioned that there are two kinds of visuals, categories, uh, like concepts, right? And then uh, this, you also try to convey emotional aspect. Uh, did I summarize it correctly? So long list, short list, yeah. then getting some inspiration, uh, brainstorming and then actually sitting down and creating the visual. Yeah, but to be frank, it doesn't always work that way. For example, while you're in the shower or while you're driving, so that's when the idea comes to you. And it's, that's why it's handy for you to, to have a sketchbook that is dedicated. Like for me, I have like just dedicated for the visuals. Whenever I have the idea, no matter I have figured out the concept yet, I just draw what I think. And it's also useful for you to have like an app that you can immediately write down the ideas. For example, ideas that you don't have 
ideas for visuals yet, but you have something in mind, you just write it down. That is like for you to very quickly log in what you have thought uh, in your mind. So that has been handy for me as well. Do you use like a voice recorder or you type? So I, I type. Yeah. So what do you use for creating the actual visuals? So like I said, I don't have any background in, in design at all. So I'm a pure engineer. So I, was, I have been engineer, an engineer for, for many years. So I mean, I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near the category of people who have these artistic skills, nothing like that. So I've tried Canva before during my days with uh, creating contents for, for AdSquare. So I use a lot of Canva. So that's when I, I, I explored that tool. But it doesn't have that much flexibility. So I've also tried Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator. So that's way too advanced for me because it has all this learning curve that you have to go through before you can become comfortable with using the tool. But when I was introduced with Figma, and that again came from, from Jack, uh, that he explains in his course that he was using this, it's like a sweet spot between Canva and Illustrator. So it's not that hard to operate, but you have a lot of flexibility for you to be able to create designs that is exactly like what you want. So the learning curve is very not steep at all. Uh, you can get up and running in a couple of days. If I can do it, then I think most of other people can do it as well because, yeah, I mean, I've only been exposed to Canva before and a little bit of Illustrator, not much. Then I went to Figma and I found like, wow, it's really something that that is interesting to me. There are other tools as well because for me, my approach is more on Again, being an engineer, more on the geometric shapes, uh, vector images. But there are other apps that if you are more artistic, that you you prefer hand sketch, there are other tools as well. I can't remember the name now. If you are more into hand sketch, there are other tools that it's not as hard as Photoshop Illustrator that you can get up and running uh, very quickly. So I've been using that since the beginning. Yeah. So you have a sketch note where you take sketches the moment you have an idea yeah. or sometimes just uh, notes, right? And then you use Figma to actually create the visual, right? Or yeah. Do you always first create a draft like on, uh, on a piece of paper before moving to Figma? Yeah. So most of the time I will write down on a paper first because it's, the idea is not really fully developed yet. You have basic concept of what you want to do but for example you haven't figured out what kind of object you're going to put but you only for example have figured out the relationships yeah like one thing is here the other thing is there you want to make an arrow you want to create a contrast or something like that but you haven't figured out the end product yet so once you put it down somehow it's ingrained in your mind when it comes to for you to to start processing in the back of your mind so like after a couple of days you start to get or to figure out what you want to do, that's when I transfer to, to Figma. But of course, again, it's not always the case because sometimes you immediately get an idea and immediately I jump on Figma and for me to do it uh, immediately. And I think more and more now because the amount of visuals that made has grown. So what I'm able to do now is that I have a lot of these existing assets that I can immediately just port, copy and paste from different concepts for me to, to create something new because it's not always the case that you're creating something from scratch. So you can utilize the kinds of objects, the kinds of, I mean, high-level concepts that you have from other visuals that you have made and you reuse it and you modify it according to, to the new thing that you want to create. Mm -hmm. So if you need a catapult or a basket, you just go to that drift uh, visual, right? You copy yeah. the catapult and you paste to the new mm -hmm. image and use it. Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's handy. Yeah, so how for somebody who is like you, who is an engineer, who have never worked with anything like Figma, who maybe doesn't even know what Figma is, how can they start creating visuals? Mm. How can they learn this? So first take Jack's course, <laughs> so I cannot high, recommend it highly enough. Yeah, so it's, again, it's very ironic because Jack Butcher, he's someone who, who has been a designer for many years, like 10 years. But what he has taught me is that you don't have to be a designer to be able to create such visuals. Uh, in fact, I found that the bug that you have, which is not being able to, you don't have the designer brain, is, is that uh, it can turn into your biggest feature. Because the thing is that if you are focused on the design part, you are losing or you're not focusing as much on the message or the perspective that you want to convey. Because for me, that's the most important thing. Because what you want to do is you want to focus on the perspective 
over the aesthetics because if you're focusing more on the aesthetics like how does it look like uh, how would it turn out you don't spend as much time in terms of what you really want the people who look at your visual to be able to to get so the moment you again back to constraints the moment you put this constraint the moment you understand that this is the level of aesthetic that you can go and not beyond that that's when you spend all your energy in trying to deliver the perspective that you want to convey i, I found it very interesting to be able to get that perspective that is actually something that will empower you so that's from the i guess philosophical aspect but from the practical aspect you just have to start playing with things because the moment you start to put things down that's when you will develop and of course it comes with practice so like for me i remember in the beginning uh, i was very pumped up to start creating such visuals because i got some like seven or 10 ideas that just came the moment i look at this this other content from jack and other creators like him so i start to write down and i start to to create these visuals around 10 of them and then i was ready to start posting but then i thought to myself after that what's next <laughs> i don't have any idea for for the rest of what i'm supposed to do i only have this 10 but i totally don't have any idea beyond that so what i did i just started posting and that's when it slowly developed and that's when more ideas start to come in that's when i think you start to try to be able to relate to what you are learning instead of for example before when you are reading consuming a content you are just doing it just for consuming but when you approach uh, or when you start to consume a content with the intention for you to create something for you to learn and for you to explain to others using visuals that's when you start to to get ideas coming in and yeah you will not stop <laughs> yeah you mentioned the think that uh, having a designer brain is helpful because you can focus on the message not on aesthetics and i remember all well, even though i am not a designer let's say when i need to create a presentation i sometimes spend too much time on making the like i don't know moving things there making it look perfect while what i should be doing instead is instead of creating a great slide i should just focus on what i'm going to say in this slide and maybe the slide can be just empty right so focusing on the message instead of focusing on how your slide looks like and here i think it's similar like you really focus on what you want to draw instead of how nice it looks yeah and i i so i also realized that the other thing that the men you create such visuals that are minimal that are not really focusing on the aesthetics what you're doing really is you're respecting people's time because i mean yeah there are people are busy they have so many things to do in work and also to i mean for them to to what if they are learning for them to consume content as well for, for them to understand concept and the other thing again this other quote from jack that i really found interesting is that what he's doing is that he's working hard to give people less yeah so i think that's the whole point i mean you're respecting people's time because you are giving it as it is immediately what people want to receive what people want to consume and also on the other side you are is being easy to yourself that means you are i mean you make your life easier because you are not really worried about things that are, you're not supposed to be worried you're just worried about things that you need to focus on which is again the message and the perspective and yeah so it seems to be a great combination yeah and other thing you mentioned is consume with intention to create something so can, can you tell us how it works so the same way i think is true for visuals and other ways as well so the moment you consume a content with a view for you to explain or teach to others your perspective becomes different because the moment you have the intention to teach i mean you're more invested because you're not really looking at the material on the surface you're trying to dig deep and if need be you will look at other materials that are supplementing what you are trying to understand and what happens to you is that you get to the bottom of what you want to know and compare that with learning just for you to consume your understanding first and foremost is totally different you get a much deeper understanding so let alone the fact that you are going to create something uh, with visuals or anything the fact that you have the intention of explaining it to others while you're consuming something makes it like at least 10 times more impact compared to to without it it's like the best way to learn something is to teach it right and practically the way it works is let's say when you read an article you think okay this is a cool article if i wanted to explain this article in a single image what this image would be right or what's the main idea 
in this article that I can take away and turn this into a visual. Does it work like that? Yeah, because when you're reading, like you are consuming content, I mean, on a surface level, what you are getting is what it is. That's it, what it is. But if you are learning it with the intention of explaining it to others, what you try to get to the bottom at is also like what it is not uh, or what can go wrong. What if you did that instead of what you are being shown? So you start to look at other perspective and angle and not just be one dimensional when you consume uh, content. So that's when you start to think of what if instead of how to. Yeah, so if you are given a step, right, how to do ABC, how to train a machine learning algorithm. So you have these steps. Yeah, that's fine. But the moment you start to think about what can go wrong, what else is missing? What if I do it another way? What if I do it without machine learning? So those are normally things that you don't think about if you're just consuming, but if you are planning to teach it to others, definitely those are the things that you will definitely need to keep in mind that you will uh, explore and try to discover. Mm -hmm. How do you come up with this what if things or well, what can go wrong? If you have practical experience, then maybe you can use this practical experience. But if you're just learning this thing, how can you know about these things? Mm, so I guess if you are talking about, I mean, coding for machine learning, right? You just explore ways how to break <laughs> a code. For example, you take uh, someone, something that someone else has done. For example, he shares a code on a medium block, for example, right? With, with uh, the person shares something that over there and with a code example. So you try not just to run the code, but also try to make changes and see what if I you were to change this parameter? What if you were to change this even algorithm? And I mean, the many thousand things that you can change and see what happens. So you start to think about, because the, your goal now is to be able to understand in totality, not just how it's being presented to you. So you are forcing yourself to look at it from, from different ways and try to really nail down your understanding. Yeah, thanks. So since 2019, you said, you're self-employed, so you don't work for a company, you work for yourself. And I think you mentioned you were doing some sort of consulting training, but also, I guess, making visuals is part of uh, what you do. So you're making some money with uh, your visualization skills. Can you tell us more how you earn money with this? Yeah, so now it's slowly becoming one of the main things that I'm doing these days. So starting early this year, I've started to introduce this visual design service that helps companies, content creators who has a message that want to turn that message into visuals so that the audience that they that consuming the content and trying to understand their products and services be able to get immediately what they are trying to serve and the value proposition and so on and so forth. So currently I'm working mostly with machine learning and data platform startups that are looking to to grow their business and even content creators that are currently mostly creating text-based content who also wants to expand that into visual content for them to be able to deliver what their message in a more, more clear way. So that's something that I've been doing since the beginning of the year. So it's something that is very enjoyable for me because not just from my own perspective, but also from what the other party wants to convey from what they have. And in a way, it's also a challenge for me as well because there are new things that I need to explore, that I need to force myself to understand because I mean, different companies, for example, if you're talking about machine learning companies. So there are companies that are doing data platforms, there are companies that do explainability, there are companies that do uh, ML ops. Yeah, so before I can help them with creating visuals, I need to be able to understand their product offering as first and foremost. So of course that takes some ramping up for me to ramp up uh, my understanding first and foremost. But of course it's a rewarding journey as well because I get to understand uh, in, a, in a more intimate way compared to just looking at it from outside. So yeah, so that's something that I've been doing a lot more these days compared to what I used to do before. So you first started publishing these visualizations on uh, social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter, and then did companies start to reach out to you or how did you make it clear that this is something you can offer and they can't come to you for these kind of services? Yeah, so it started with companies and people starting to reach out to me to ask if I do such services. Initially, I didn't do any because I was just doing it for, for myself. So I started to see interest. So I thought myself for me to work together with them. So start what I've been doing in the past few months is that I've started to do some kind of outbound, reach out to people 
and companies that might be interested and yeah so so slowly building that that service side of the business yeah that's interesting so basically first you started you didn't start with intention of earning money but you started with the intention of you know exploring this area using the skill trying to convey your message and you mentioned that you were also learning or relearning machine learning so for you it was just a way to consume and sort of regurgitate the content right and then show this is my vision this is my take on these things and then you did this regularly and then at some point companies noticed this and thought okay this is so cool we also want to have something similar we want to somebody to come to us listen to what we do and explain it in a simple visual right yeah oh cool but, uh, one thing you mentioned that uh, sometimes there is uh, a bunch of text-based information i imagine an article and then you think how to add visuals to this article right did they uh, understand correctly that companies sometimes come to you for this service yeah so for example there are companies that have blog posts mm -hmm. that explains a concept that they want to convey or product or service yeah so to add a visual to that basically to summarize whatever that they are trying to deliver in that blog blog content so there are also companies that uh, want to create like marketing material as well there are companies who want to who are creating ebooks downloadable ebooks that explain concept so adding visuals will really give a greater impact into what they want to explain in in, in that material what paper for example and there are a few other ways as well that i'm currently working on mm -hmm. cool and this is all without having a designer background mm. and being an engineer can you maybe tell us a bit about this so you get an article, which is just text, a wall of text and nothing. Mm. I imagine that for me as a reader, this is probably a boring article because I cannot skim it. I have no idea what it is. And then it must be quite interesting for me to actually convince myself and invest time in reading this article. And when I create content, I understand that I need to make it easier to skim, to understand what uh, this is. But I always have problems with okay i have this piece of text how do i add visuals there how do i add instructions there or illustrations there do you have some suggestions for people like me who can come up with text but struggle with coming up with illustrations so what has worked well for me and it's also the same way like if i were to consume the content myself is that so first you take a first pass on on the text and what you do is you try to extract the keywords like the top four or five keywords that is always appearing and the keyword that you you think is the key message of let's say a blog post for example so once you have listed down all the keywords back to the idea that i was explaining about just now is that you try to understand not just what they are but what they mean what they're trying to convey and more often than not you'll be able to find a theme of what they're trying to do let's say for example you're talking about the solution a data platform that is trying to reduce the number of steps for some non-technical person to be able to access the data from four steps into two steps. So what you can probably do is something like a comparison of like the number of hooks, the number of uh, steps that a person needs to take without the solution. For example, you just draw it like that. And then on the other side, it's like, you know, just take two steps, as simple as that. So that's a simple example, but you can always play around with many different uh, different kinds of concepts. For example, is it a cycle? Is it about contrast between a concept and the other concept? For contrast, you can talk about like black and white. So you can immediately tell that one concept is totally different from the other while being in the same space, for example. And there are other things like uh, balance that I mentioned just now. You can imagine a scale that talks about one concept that is more important than the others, or even if they are the same. Many objects that you can think of, like slider, if you're talking about a spectrum of different ways for you to do things, and you want to convey that actually you need to put the slider somewhere in the middle or somewhere to the right to convey that, yeah, that's the kind of emphasis that you need to put whenever you're considering the two concepts. So there are a number of ways that you can play around. And yeah, with trial and error, you will normally be able to find it eventually. Mm -hmm. And so, pass over an article extract four or five keywords and then try to understand what is the key message what is the main takeaway from the article for the reader right and then you try to visualize it and i guess follow the same process as we discussed like half an hour ago right 
exactly. And this is this way you create a visual for the entire article, right? But what, uh, let's say you have uh, one paragraph that explains some something else, one section, then another section that is maybe talking about a little bit different thing. I guess you apply the same process, right? You take a section, you try to understand what is the key message of this section, and then you try to come up with a visual that illustrates this key concept. Is it correct? Yeah, so there is a, a point where you can create, like what you mentioned, is a long-form kind of visual instead of just one visual, like maybe five or more visuals that, that are in the same article or content. So there is a point where you can relate these visuals, but there is a point like exactly what you said, that the concepts are totally different, that you cannot really relate them. Yeah, I mean, in that case, you cannot push yourself and try to create something because now you're okay. diluting the value. Uh, I think the most important is, number one, is for you to be able to deliver the message efficiently. And the bonus, if you can be able to relate different concepts, like if you were to split different visuals into different concepts, I think that would be a bonus. I think one example that I managed to do it is by talking about this concept about data science or machine learning that essentially it boils down to just five kinds of questions or five kinds of problems that it wants to solve, like classification, regression, anomaly detection, clustering, and also reinforcement learning. So just, I mean, any machine learning problem, you can boil or categorize them into this, these different categories. So these are this article from Microsoft. So I figured out a way for me to be able to really relate these different five concepts using the same base visuals, which is like the same kinds of data points and imposing different perspectives according to each of the five concepts so that people can relate it. Because if you have the visual, but different visuals for different concepts, it doesn't give as much impact. But yeah, if you can somehow relate them, because there is a logical uh, connection over there, even though yeah, it's not that easy to come up with that immediately. But if you think through about it, yeah, if you can manage to relate them, I think that's a bonus. Uh, I also know that you wrote a book because you recently came to Data Talks uh, Club Slack and you answered questions about your book. So can you tell us about your book and how did you come up with the idea behind the book? So same thing is first and foremost for me to be able to nail my understanding of the concept. So by writing the book, it forces me to really get to the bottom in terms of understanding the concept from the ground up. For example, not relying on frameworks such as TensorFlow or PyTorch, but instead building a simple neural network from scratch, including doing all this back propagation and all the, I mean, the materials from scratch. And I mean, the fact that I, I, I'm looking to create the book forces me to, to do all these steps. And that, of course, gave me the idea of creating content that is based on the journey that, that, that I went through uh, by learning the material. Because I find that deep learning and neural networks is especially interesting because compared to other algorithms, of course, you're talking if you're talking about applications, if you're talking about the kinds of excitement that is here today, there's something else. But I'm talking more about like how it's very modular. It's something that you can start simple that you can build upon. So I thought that it would be an interesting idea for me to try to create like a book that explains the concept from ground up because you can expand from as much as you can from a very simple neural network, which is a single neuron. So how do you start from a single neuron to a, a neural network with just one hidden layer to an even bigger neural network? So it all starts with a single neuron and you're basically having these Lego bricks that you can build and make a big Lego structure. So yeah, I thought that that would be a natural uh, subject for me to convert that into a visual way of explaining things. And yeah, by writing the book, I. I mean, of course, it forms up my understanding as well. But I think the other part that is interesting to me is that I was able to, to connect the different concepts together and be able to come up with this end-to-end so-called story. Because the other thing that I've also tried to do and whenever I'm creating content or any materials that I try to tie together the whole thing into a story that people can navigate and people can have a logical flow from start to finish. So that's what I've tried to do with, with this book. Yeah. Did you first come up with text and then created illustrations or you first came up with illustrations and then wrote some text around them? So I started with the concepts, the big concepts, and then I start to create visuals. I start to, for example, imagine the number of pages, the number of sections. Then I make this 
placeholders for me to draw these visuals and then I start to fill in based on the concept. Then only uh, I add the text that explain the each of the visual. Because if you look at the book, the text is actually very minimal. So I'm hoping for people who don't have that much time for them to digest the content, but can get enough value to understand the concept. So it's visuals first and supplemented by just concise uh, text. So, so that's the text part is something that I do after I've firmed up the logical steps on creating the, the content. And I think we forgot to mention the name of the book. So the name is A Visual Introduction to Deep Learning, right? Yeah. I think we should be wrapping up. Uh, do you want to say anything before we finish? I think that's it. Of course, I want to thank you for, for having me here. It's really a pleasure being in this, in this talk. So yeah, I also follow Data Talks Club for, for some time already. And I really admire the work that you're doing with the community, with the, the effort that you have and the kind of content that you're creating is really helping a lot of people to ramp up in this industry. So yeah, thanks also to you for creating all this. Thanks. So how can people find you? LinkedIn, Twitter, right? Yeah, people can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Mio Ami. Or if you want to look at the visuals that I've made, you can easily go to the website, kdimensions.com. So there I've already created the, not all, but most of the visuals that I've done. And if you'd like to also find out about the book as well as the, the visual design service that I have, there's also more information there uh, on the website. It's kdimensions.com, yeah. right? I just put a link but you'll also share all the links uh, with me and then i'll put them in the description okay i think that's all for today so thanks again for joining us for sharing your expertise with us and thanks everyone for joining us as well for watching us and have a great weekend everyone thank you goodbye bye